This is Heavenly Gospels Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Pastor Corey is preaching today, and we hope you enjoy. We see God move and speak in our lives. Now, now we've, we've leaned in heavily on this topic of worship because worship, hear me, is the posture of the seeker. The use of the word worship in the Hebrew is the verb shakat, which means to bow down and to lay yourself prostrate on the ground. In, in other words... I'm posturing myself and positioning myself to encounter the one and true and living God. And if we're going to to see God like never before, we're going to have to position ourselves for it. And worship enables us to do exactly that. I, I remember a time when I was I was traveling um, and I had one carry-on bag and as we were getting ready to board the flight, there was this family in front of me and they had what it seemed to be five bags. The lady who was checking our ticket looked to the family and said, excuse me, you're only allowed two bags per person. That if you're, if you're going to travel and if you're going to make this flight, you're going to have to leave some baggage behind. That if you're going to get to where you're trying to go, you're going to have to leave something behind. This morning, I want to be somebody's spiritual flight host. To tell you if you're going to see God move and speak in your life like never before, but also get to the place that he's designed for you, you're going to have to let some baggage go. Somebody say, let it go. Now, now, the Urban Dictionary defines baggage as an issue regarding a person's past that can affect their current disposition. (laughs) Can I take my time? It says an issue regarding a person's past that can affect their current disposition. There's something about traveling around with a whole lot of baggage. It, It makes life more difficult. It makes life more frustrating. It slows you down. A lot. You can't move at the speed that you want to move at. And there's something about going through life with baggage. And before you dismiss this sermon, the reality is is that every single person in here has some level of baggage that you're dealing with. I knew it was going to get quiet right there. Don't you know that pretty much every person that God used in the Bible had some type of baggage? Oh, you don't believe me? The Bible says that Abraham was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. 
Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Jacob was a trickster. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was money hungry. And Paul was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before he himself became one. I, I didn't name all the biblical characters, but the question must be asked, if all of these people in the Bible had some type of baggage, why do we try to come to church and act like we ain't got none? I'm looking for the real section. I'm looking for the real people who say, you know what? I, I ain't got it all together. That, that I didn't come here to, to, to look good and to, to be all dude up and have it all together. There's some questions that I still have for answers. You know what? Lord, deliver me from people who want to act like they all got it together. But put me around some real folk that can admit that I have some baggage. Help me, God, up in here. That I'm dealing with something and I need a touch from the master's hand. The reality is we all have or have had some baggage at some point in time. And you ain't got to go looking for it. Just keep on living. That baggage, it will find you. And the reality is, is that there are times in life where we're dragging around and lugging around things that are slowing us down, frustrating seasons of joy, and keeping us from the peace that God would have us experience. For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, so then with endurance let us also run the race that is laid out in front of us somebody say run. run yeah 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 since we have such great cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us throw off any extra baggage and get rid of the sin that trips you up Notice the text says run the race. Because life, watch this, is meant to be ran and not walked. Uh, th there is a sense of urgency that you must move with because if you're not careful, you'll procrastinate and say things like, I'll handle it tomorrow. When tomorrow ain't promised to anybody. That your destiny, watch this, in your assignment, it is time sensitive. In other words, you got a time of window that God has allotted for you to accomplish what he has put you on this earth to do. And if you don't do it within that time that he's allotted you to do it in, you won't get the job done. That is why the enemy, he wants you bogged down with baggage because he wants you to miss your window. He doesn't, he doesn't mind you living. He, as long as you're not living with purpose, he wants you bogged down with baggage. And if we're not careful, we'll end up living with what we're supposed to throw off. 
Preach, Pastor Corey, you're doing the best you can. You'll end up subjecting yourself to baggage and carrying around things that God never designed for you. And the enemy, if he cannot speed you up, he'll slow you down. He, he wants to slow you down because there is a window of time that God has allotted to you to get the job done. Somebody say, get the job done. Chris, could you come here and help me further prove my point? Could y'all give a hand for Brother Chris? Chris, I, I, I want you, um, here, let me help you out. I want you to take this for me real quick. Um, I want you to take this. Here we go. Brother Chris, here you go. You got it? You good? Okay. Chris, uh, real, real quick. Could you just walk over there real quick with your baggage? Yeah. Chris, you all right? <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. All right, Chris, come back. All right. Um, see, see, the issue is uh, he has some baggage, but he can still move. And just because you can move, it doesn't mean you don't have no baggage. Just because you can get around through life and speak to people and go to work, it doesn't mean that you don't have no baggage. And that's what the enemy, come on Chris, move. That's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to go, on, go to work with baggage. He wants you going back home with baggage. He wants you waking up with baggage. He wants you laying down with baggage. And you don't even realize you can be moving a whole lot quicker to what God has called you to do if you would just learn to let the baggage go. And here it is, the enemy, once we get to a point to where we feel like we're carrying too much, the enemy is already ready to give us some more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Chris, you, you've encountered some things, and now uh, you've experienced a breakup. Yeah, okay. You experienced a breakup, and now you're operating with a level of security and unforgiveness because now you put it on them when it just really it just wasn't y'all. Y'all wasn't a good fit, and now because you let this thing uh, turn into baggage, now you got to carry around something else. Now I want you to move around again, brother Chris. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And while we're oh. While we're looking at him, this is some of us, the way we live our life. This is some of us, the way we go throughout our lives. We go throughout lives moving with baggage. But I come to declare after today, today is your exodus. Ah, God, I wish... I have somebody up in here. Today is our last day. God says, I don't want you to carry no longer what you've been carrying around because I got something more important for you to do that I got an assignment in your life. I got purpose in your life. And God forbid you go throughout your whole life carrying something that God has not intended to intended for you to carry. If you're ready to lose a back of somebody, open up your mouth and say, yes God here I feel you up in this house that I'm letting it go everything that is holding me back everything that is slowing me down everything that is holding me down I'm ready to let it go somebody shout yes Chris you can let the baggage go that's gonna get ready to be some of you in a few minutes 
that you're getting ready to let go. And God told me the minute you let it go here at the altar, don't go back to pick it up. But the minute you let it go, now Chris, I want you to walk back and forth. Look, he can move with a different vitality. He can move with a different speed. He can move with a different speedness because he's not weighted down and bogged down with issues and things that the enemy has wanted him to carry around. Somebody shout a yes. Bye-bye. Today is the last day I carry around anything that is counterproductive to my relationship with Christ. Mm. I don't know who it is, but you you need to go ahead and forgive them today. I I don't know what it may be, but you need to let it go today. I don't know what addiction it may be, but it's time to leave it at the altar today. Because God has too much in store for you to do. The problem is, we don't like to admit we have baggage. And sometimes we don't know how to let it go. But I thank God for characters like David. Because David has some baggage. Yeah. And I believe... The baggage he picked up is sometimes the baggage we pick up, too. Yeah, yeah, David had so much baggage, he needed a bellhop with all his baggage. (laughs) And And the first particular piece of baggage I think David had that we pick up, too, is this baggage, watch this, of unfulfilled expectations. Hmm. Un, somebody say unfulfilled, unfulfilled expectations. A few weeks ago, we began this discourse on David about how David was anointed king. But before David was ever anointed king, he wasn't even invited to the party to be anointed by his father. His father didn't even love him enough to bring him to the party. Samuel eventually ends up anointing David king. He kills Goliath and saw the current king makes him his son-in-law. Now, in my sanctified imagination, I can hear David saying, I know my relationship with my biological father wasn't great, but at least now I can get closer to a different father and do it over with my father-in-law. Now he's, he's father-in-law pops Saul. And it was all good until the women started singing a song. Saul has slayed his thousands. But David has slain his ten thousands. <laughs> can, can I put the car in park and put a coin in the meter and, and insert this particular point that is not even related to my message? Isn't it funny how some people will love you until you seemingly start doing better than them? Saul, he loved David as long as David was beneath him. And the minute David got notoriety, it triggered Saul's insecurity. But this is the last day that
that you don't spend another day shrinking yourself down to make others feel big. This is the last day of dumbing yourself down to make everybody else feel smart. Nope, if you're too articulate and they, if they say you talk too perfect, you better keep on talking with your articulate self until they learn to pick up a dictionary and say, this is who I am. And not longer will I dumb myself down just to make you feel comfortable. But the question of the matter is, when it comes to growth, why do I always got to come down to you instead of you coming up to me? Good God, why must I always come down to where you are? But why can you never come up to me? Somebody say, this is your season. Where everything else connected to, it has to come up. That I come to tell you that if it's not growing with you, that if it's not, if it's not, if it's not where you are and where you're headed, then God said, leave it on whatever level that it may be in. But stop shrinking yourself down and stop dumbing yourself down to make others feel comfortable. But you gotta learn to be you in whatever field God places you in. Somebody shout yes. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm done dumbing myself down. You, y'all know how they do it. Yeah, you, you talk, you know, you know what they say, you talk, you talking white. Y'all, okay, y'all gonna act funny. Yeah, I started going to college and I started using words like ambidextrous, like normal words. Like, oh, you just, you just educated now. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to continue to be who God called me to be. And you can't limit yourself to the circle that you're in. And some of us are limiting ourselves to who we can become because of who we've always rolled with. I'm not saying you got to lose it, but you got to know when to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all, y'all been through too much hood. You was raised in too much hood for it to be gone. It's all right. I'm not asking you to lose it, but you got to know when to use it. You got to know when you walk in the boardroom, you can't be talking about some what's up, bro. You got to walk in that boardroom and say, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm trying to help somebody up in here. Somebody say, preach, Pastor Corey. <laughs> yeah, I, don't get it twisted. I still got it in me. <laughs> Don't let this blazer fool you. <laughs> we can get hood real quick. But you got to know when to use it. Oh, God, thank you, Holy Ghost. This ain't even in my notes. You got to know when to use it. Because David, he wasn't just a worshiper. He was a warrior. Come here. He wasn't just a worshiper. He was a warrior. And if you read the narrative of David, the Bible says Saul threw spears at David through the course of 16 years while he was on a run from him. I didn't say he threw a spear. He threw spears. Somebody is out there saying, you only got one time to throw something at me. 
It ain't even got to be physical. You got one time to throw some shade at me. You, God, I, I wish I ain't. You only got one time to say something about me. You only got one time to bring my name up. You only got one time. And here it is, David, as much as a killer he was, he said, I know when I can use the warrior that's in me. I, I wish I had somebody here that can understand that there are times where God says he don't want you to lose it but know when to use it. <laughs> you can't be acting a fool all the time. You can't be going off all the time. Bump your neighbor and say, learn how to use it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a word for somebody else. I can, I can get the benediction right there. Yeah. Yeah, you got to learn how to use it. Some of you just, it's just too much all the time. Just, we, we don't know. <laughs> Who we going to get? Help us. <sighs> yeah. Who <laughs> just pray for the person that's on your road. God, help us in this house. I didn't realize we had so much hood in here until now. <laughs> it's in the room. <laughs> Woo. Touch heavenly gospel, Lord. We in here. Hey, <laughs> but let somebody walk up in here, though. That's not supposed to be here. Everybody turning into security. <laughs> we, we all good. Security ain't the only one that's packing. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Unfulfilled <laughs> expectations. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and 12 that hope deferred makes the heart sick. That when you put your excitement and your desire in a relationship that you were sure it would end in, end in marriage or in that business you knew it would take off if you got started, started or whatever it may be. The Bible says when you put all your hope in something that doesn't come to pass or doesn't come to pass the way you thought it would, the Bible says you pick up a sickness. You pick up a weight in your heart, and that sickness, it, unaddressed, becomes pain. And some of the pain that's untreated becomes additional baggage in your life. You know, one of the things that I've discovered is that there are a lot of things in this world that they can give you to numb your pain but not actually heal your pain. Mm. That, that if you drink enough, your pain will be numb for a minute. Then you'll wake up with a headache. Y'all got quiet. And the same issues will still be there. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can numb your pain by going after another goal or going after another degree or promotion, but the world will give you medicine to numb your pain but not treat your pain because you're not dealing with the source. You're dealing with the symptom. <sighs> Ha. 
The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, I'm in the book, it says they offer superficial treatments for my people. People's mortal wounds. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. In other words, what the Bible is saying is they offer you a Band-Aid when you actually need surgery. And there is no worldly remedy that could ever fix a spiritual problem that needs a touch from the great physician. Teach Pastor Corey. The second area we tend to carry baggage in is this area of unresolved issues. Somebody say unresolved issues. David, he would spend 16 years of his life on the run from Saul going from town to town, village to village, and David actually had a chance to take Saul's life. He cut off a piece of his clothing while he slept and had a messenger send it to Saul to show him, look, I had a chance to take your life and I didn't. Ain't no bad blood between us. We good. Receive me back into your kingdom. And Saul, even after that, sent some of his finest soldiers to steal and try to take David's life. Somebody say that's messed up. And the truth of the matter is you can't experience that level of disappointment and not pick up some type of baggage. Many of the Psalms that David would write, he wrote while he was on this run from Saul and it highlighted his disappointment and his anger with God for letting all of this happen. He's, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 27, it says, be angry. Let me just say that. Being angry is not a sin. He said, get mad. He says, but, but do not let your anger push you towards sin. Be angry, but don't let your angry push you towards cussing people out. Because y'all was quiet right there, so I had to come down your row. Be angry, but don't hold a grudge between somebody you're supposed to forgive. He says, don't allow your angerness to turn into sinness. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Anger is not a sin, but anger that is not controlled turns into sin. And watch this. He says, this is how you keep your anger from turning into sin. Don't let the sun go down on it. He says, don't give place to the devil. In other words, the writer is saying, you can be angry all you want, but at some point in time, you got to learn how to deal with it. And you, you, you can go on and allow that anger to sit there when it was not meant for anger to occupy that space. And if you let it occupy that space, it'll sit there too long and cause you to push you to do something that God hadn't ordained in your life. Because something got to sit there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But God says, I'd rather let forgiveness, I'd rather let, allow meekness, I'd I, I rather allow joy and peace to sit there. Because if anything else sits there too long, it starts as a foothold, but it turns into a stronghold. 
In other words, it starts with a little, with a little foot in the door. But don't you know if you allow the enemy to get his foot in the door for just a little longer, he'll wear you out and wear you down. And before you know it, he not only got his foot in the door, he got his whole body in the room. And now you done went from anger to bitterness to plotting and scheming on how you gonna get back at them. We pull out our phones and say, oh, they wanna throw shade, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm tell them about they self. And some of us, we so petty and bold, we'll tag them in it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's the hood in here. <laughs> And it's because you let a foothold turn into a stronghold. Somebody say, deal with it. In this last area of baggage that David had that I believe we sometimes carry around in our life's journey is this area of unrepented sin. I, I knew it was going to get quiet right here too. It's tough. But before 2 Samuel chapter 12, we find David in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And when all the kings were off to war, the Bible says that David, he stayed at home and decided he was going to chill. He was resting while everybody else was fighting. It's too much. The Bible says that David got up that evening and began to walk around on the roof of the palace. And while he was on the roof, he saw a bad woman by the name of Bathsheba. He said, ooh-wee, she bad. Looked at his servant and said, who that is? <laughs> who that is right there? Uh-oh, they said, that's Bathsheba. You didn't know? She bad. She's the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah. He said, oh, is that right? That should have been in the conversation. That David, he, on the other hand, sent his servant over there and said, go give her my number. <laughs> yeah, tell her to text me. Tell her, tell her your boy over there, the king. I, I ain't saying we're going to do that. I'm just saying, like, just, I'm over here. What's your situationship? <laughs> like, you married. <laughs> but they, they do that. They, yeah. What's your situationship? Your boy is over here, and his servant went over there, and Bathsheba obliged. And y'all, uh, Bathsheba came over here to his house. The kids are back there. Uh, and y'all, they slept together which I don't know why they call it sleeping together because the last thing they was doing. <laughs> Y'all, okay. Whew. The last thing they was doing was sleeping. And David, <laughs> y'all crazy. He picks up adultery. 
foothold. But David tried to cover it up. Foothold, stronghold. And tried to scheme his way to getting Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, to lay with Bathsheba. To make sure, because here it is, Bathsheba got pregnant when they slept. So David said, I don't want to go on the Murray show. <laughs> and so to, to avoid any type of situation, I got to get Uriah to lay with his wife. So he said, call Uriah uh, to, to the palace and, and, and we'll throw a festival and we'll see if, if we'll uh, invite him to the house and we'll see if he'll lay with Uriah. But Uriah, while the men were at war, he would not sleep with Bathsheba because he said, if my people are in pain, I'm not going to be enjoying pleasure. That's, that's too much. That's, that's too much. I, I, I want some people like Uriah that when I'm going through, you going along with me. That, that, that no, if, if things are thrown off, like you're going to help me get it right until I get it right. That, that you down there with me, that you're not enjoying so much pleasure when I'm in pain. And the Bible says Uriah slept outside the door. My men sleep outside, I sleep out with them. Not finna be enjoying the accoutrements of the palace while my men are at war. David, they came back and told him that he didn't even sleep with his wife. Instead of dealing with it, he covered it some more. Foothold, strongholds. He said, that didn't work. Let's try to get him drunk. Let's numb his senses. He said, let's blame it on the alcohol. <laughs> See, some of y'all, y'all ain't been saying all you like, you know. I'm sorry. Woo, that just, it hit me out of nowhere. <laughs> just, woo. I didn't even drink that much, girl. You lied. You was going in. And even in his drunkenness, he would not lay with Bathsheba. And instead of dealing with it, Covered it up some more. Foothold, stronghold. He said, since I can't get him to lay with his wife to line up the pregnancy, so he'll say, oh, yeah, I got her pregnant. He said, come here, Joab. Joab, whenever we go to war, put Uriah on the front line. And when he... And the, when, when the war ensues, pull back your men and allow Uriah to be killed. And sure enough, Uriah was killed in battle. We went from David being an adulterer to a murderer. <laughs> Foothold, strongholds. And David, with his baggage self, with his adultering self, with his murderer self, he showed us what he did. Because here's the truth of the matter is, just because you got away and lived through it, 
and nobody found about it, it doesn't mean that you got away with it. Just because you get away with it, it doesn't mean that God has forgotten about it. The Bible says that David penned these words in Psalms 32, verse 3. It says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, but my strength was sapped as the, in the heat of summer. David had an affair and nobody knew. He killed a man and nobody knew. He said, I got away with it, but I didn't get away with it because the hand of God was still on my life. And that's a shout for somebody right there that I'm grateful that I didn't even do stuff like that and I didn't even go as bad as he did, but I'm so grateful that God's hand was still on my life. And I wonder, do I got anybody here that can thank God that he didn't let me go? Yeah, he didn't let me go with my attitude. He didn't let me go with my crazy self. He didn't let me go with my cantankerous self. He didn't let me go. Do I got anybody grateful here to say, you know what? I still don't got it all together, but I thank God. God for not letting me go. He said his hand was heavy upon me, but he said because of my unrepentant secret sin, it zapped my strength as, as working out in the heat. Now y'all know it's cold right now, but y'all know the type of heat that Texas produces. Can you imagine working and slaving in 105 degree weather, working and, and sweating? And here it is, sin, sometimes it will not kill you. You won't die, but it will deplete you. Oh, God. It will empty you out of what you need for your assignment. And that's what sin does. It empties you out of joy and, and peace and strength and security. It empties you out. And David, with his baggage, Bogged down, depleted, weighed down self, he went and worshiped. And the question must be asked, I'm done. What put Dave, what pushed David to worship with all that baggage? The Bible says in 2 Samuel 12 that the Lord sent Nathan to David. And Nathan said, let me tell you a story. There was a man who had a bunch of cattle, a rich man who had a bunch of cattle, and there was a poor man who had only one cattle. This rich man received the poor man, and that when it was time to eat, the rich man took that one little cattle that the poor man had, and he killed it and offered it to, for everybody to eat. David said, surely this man should be put to death. And Nathan said, oh, really? That man is you. Then David said to Nathan in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. And that's when David caught the revelation that God is merciful that I deserve to die, but he's not going to strike me dead. That he got the revelation that God is loving and that God is patient with me. And while information makes you think, revelation makes you worship. Information makes you think, but revelation makes you worship. He got a revelation 
that God is still good to me despite me not being good to him. And David, with his bag itself, went to worship. David, with his adultery and murder himself, took his baggage to worship. I'm talking to all the imperfect people here that are here today. And you come in trying to pretend and act like you got it all together. But Heavenly Gospel is the place where you don't have to have it all together. It's okay to bring your baggage. But I come to tell somebody here this morning that the Lord, he can handle your baggage. The Lord can handle your baggage. He can handle your issues. He can handle your idiosyncrasies. He can handle your inconsistencies. He can handle your hangups. He can handle everything that you're not. But what he cannot handle is you hiding it. Because God can't heal what you fail to reveal. There is power in saying, I'm hurt. There is power in saying, this made me mad. There is power in saying, this makes me sick. There is power in saying, this frustrates me. Something happens when you bring your baggage to worship. I'm done. We're standing. I told you about the time when I traveled to Florida. Y'all, I took a backpack with my clothes and had a suitcase for my shoes. Yeah, y'all know how y'all do. Just overpack. And we go on two days and you got 10 different outfits. You say stuff like, I don't know how I'm, I'm gonna feel when I get there, so I need options. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Got on the plane and had my carry-on and um, went, went to baggage claim and my pastor had his assistant meet me there. Y'all met him. I'm always waiting on the baggage. He said, here, Pastor Hans, let me, let me get your, let me get your baggage. And with my like self-sufficient self, I said, dude, I got it. And y'all, that became a wrestling match. Like, bro, I said, I got it, bro. Like, let it go. He said, no, I got to carry this because it's my job. He said, I get paid to do this. And if my pastor finds out I'm not doing my job, I'm going to get in trouble with him. I'm talking to somebody. God, he sent his son to claim your baggage. And he says, some of you are claiming baggage. That's his job to carry. 
And he said, do not carry on your shoulders what has already been carried by my cross. It's Billy and the worship team comes. As we worship. We're not finna do an altar call. We finna bring our baggage before worship. And worship is where an exchange happens. Where we exchange our baggage from our hands to his hands. And Jesus lays claim to everything that we might be holding. For the next few moments while we get ready to worship, I want you to get in your mind something that you've been carrying for far too long. And as we go for the next few moments, as we go before the throne, and as we enter into his presence, I want you to think about everything that you need to leave here in this moment. I don't know what it may be. It may be insecurity. It may be self-doubt. It may be unforgiveness. It may be an addiction. It may be something that is keeping you from developing an intimate, closer relationship with God. And God's saying, in this next moment of worship, I need you to let it go. Because David, in this moment of, of of baggage in his moment and one of his worst moments of life he decided to worship so with every hand lifted Father I thank you for your word Father I pray that as we get ready to worship whatever it is that we need to leave at your feet we'll leave it there Father I thank you that we don't have to carry what you've already carried. You've already carried it. So we don't have to go through life weighed down, stressed out, frustrated, carrying something that you didn't design for us. Father, I thank you that we are not just free, but your word declares we are free indeed. Whew. Deliver us. Whew. Deliver us. Deliver us as we leave our baggage in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Heavenly Gospels Podcast. If you would like to partner with us and give on today, you can give via cash app, dollar sign, Heavenly Gospel. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.